We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, uh, the Cincinnati Reds might uh, feel similar to Sergio Garcia. They can't wait till they're not here anymore, but we're glad to be here because we get to talk about a baseball team that is 18-8 through 26 games this season. They lead the National League Central by two and a half games over the St. Louis Cardinals. It's Friday. I know some people work on weekends, so it's not the same for everyone. But it is a beautiful day to be alive and be talking about Milwaukee Brewers baseball. Adam, thanks for joining me. How are you doing today? Is there a, a Saudi baseball organization starting up that I don't know about? Um, I, I was actually just thinking about this because of the ownership group of the team that the Brewers are playing this weekend, it wouldn't surprise me if they were kind of looking for different areas um, to, you know, find different revenue streams because that's what they care about really more than anything. So if um, I didn't expect you know, to walk op- us into this so soon, if there's an <laughs> opportunity to, play a game in uh, Jetta or something like that, I'm sure they will look into it in the future. Maybe they'll host some playoff games there. Who knows? 
Well, sorry everyone for getting us derailed onto uh, Andrew's uh, former team to begin with. We'll have much more on that to come later. You, you didn't expect a, a, a sports washing conversation to work its way into well, you. Uh, you brought Sergio Garcia's podcast. comments into it, and I just thought the Reds really like if there's an offer on the table for the Reds somewhere else, you know, ethics be damned. They should probably consider it at this point because things are they they might be Andrew the worst major league sports team i have ever seen i don't want to say the worst sports team outside of the u.s you watch teams and systems that have promotion and relegation so you've got different levels which by and large prevents what the reds are from happening <laughs> you know prevent just completely uncompetitive teams but that was but we'll talk about like a lot of the good stuff the brewers still deserve credit for but the reds my god uh, yeah, and so for that, we'll touch on that now. And I, I do want to go back to a few weeks ago. We saw this this nine game stretch coming up, and you know I was doing the traditional uh, kind of baseball mindset: you, you win two out of three every series, then you'll be set for the season. That's you know lock in on that. And you were like, rationally, Andrew, the Brewers are good, and these teams are bad the brewers need to win eight out of nine games and that's exactly what they did and when it comes when it comes down to um like the cincinnati reds of it all i can't remember how many games at this point uh teams play against divisional opponents every year it's like in the 18 19 realm i think it's going to change next year as they're going to schedule. I, i thought they said something on the broadcast like the brewers play the reds 23 times this year and I was like, what? Wow, maybe, maybe they do, but uh, they need to win 90% of the game. That, no, they need 90% to win 100%. Of the games they play. They, against this team, they probably need to win 100%. The Reds um, won two games in their opening series against the Atlanta Braves, and they've won one since. They are 3-22 and on the year. And last season, they finished with a winning record. Uh, I think under the current, the new playoff format, they would have been that additional wildcard team in the National League had last season been played under this season's rules. And yet they sold off, I guess, every asset they had. They didn't spend money. They just chose to be a bad baseball team. And then I think their uh, owner's son, who is the team president, Phil Castellini, on opening day told fans basically like, where are you going to go? Like uh, Exactly what he said. And I'm wondering if the attendance will show that Cincinnati Reds say, bet, we're going to sit out this season. Uh, I mean, honestly, this sounds crazy uh, to say this, but Rob Manford needs to step in and force this guy to sell his baseball team because this is an embarrassment for the sport. They do have some injuries. I know they have a jam-packed ILS. Like Joey Votto, I know he's good, right? Uh, He is good, but he might be washed. So, and also, but, I don't think there's any one or two players that are rescuing this situation right now. But yeah, a real, uh, real eye opener for me of the likes I have not had yet in watching baseball and being like, oh my God, this team is. I made a comparison that is, I don't want to say near and dear to your heart because that would be a mischaracterization of it. What, what year was it that the Hornets, the, not the Hornets at the time, they were the Charlotte Bobcats? that part of the reason they ultimately changed their name was because not very great things happened with the Bobcats 
was that 2012? Am I, it was earlier. That, I believe so. It was, um, they were tanking to get Anthony Davis, and then they ended up with Michael Kidd Gilchrist. So the joke was on them and uh, eventually me, and the team finished 7-59 and and got the second pick instead of the first pick. So they got what they deserved. Yeah, it was the 2011-2012 season. And as you said, 7-59 and in that lockout shortened season. Uh, the Reds might be worse than that. Like, this was truly, truly spectacular. Even players that you're like, you know what, maybe maybe this guy can can cause some problems. Um, maybe this could be the person who steps up to the plate or the mound and shows some sense of respectability. I, I taught Hunter Green, Hunter Green with his, like, 100-mile-per-hour fastballs might do some of that. Turns out, nope. Um, he had had quite some success in spite of the Reds um, through games up to this point of the season. A lot of talk about how I don't think anyone had hit off of his changeup. And by the time he was pulled from the game, the Brewers had at least two home runs off his changeup. So the, the Brewers just absolutely stuffed the Reds in a locker. They did. Um, from Jeff Passan, the Cincinnati Reds are 3-22. and They have scored an NOS 79 runs. If they doubled that, it would still be fewer runs than they've allowed. Their 6.90 ERA is two full runs worse than the next worst team. Brutal. But, um, Adam, it's it's baseball. You still have to play the sport. You only beat the what's games. put in front of you, Andrew. That's the real you, sports. And we'll say that other than the series finisher, we saw the offense show signs of life against the Chicago Cubs. And we said, if you start to build on those trends, then, you know, it's, it's something we know the offense is capable of. And we now know that the Brewers can score runs. Uh, game one against the Reds on uh, Tuesday, they, it wasn't an offensive explosion. It was a controlled and, and measured uh, nice, just like tidy baseball win. Brandon Woodruff took on Tyler Maley. Uh, Willie Adamas got things started in the third with the scoring uh, with uh, Luis Urias uh, making his return to the lineup uh, was on base as well as Colton Wong and Adamas Homer in the third made it three nothing Brewers the very next inning Tommy Pham would answer with a solo shot of his own followed by a solo shot from old friend Mike Moustakis Uh, then in the fourth Urias returning to the team made an impact early with a single to left field to score Omar Narvaez a Colton Wong sack fly would see the fourth inning uh, have the Brewers extend their lead to 5-2. And then in the sixth inning, the Reds would get their last run of the game. A Mike Moustakas double to center score Tommy Pham. In the eighth inning, Rowdy Telez would hit a solo homer to make it 6-3. The Brewers get a 6-3 win. Brandon Woodger, five and two-thirds innings pitched. Four hits, three runs, all earned, no walks, 12 strikeouts. So not the sharpest outing from Woodger, but the 12 strikeouts. I believe uh, you told me matched his career high. Is that correct? Correct. Aaron Ashby would throw two and a third inning of scoreless relief with three strikeouts, and then Devin Williams would nail down the save in the ninth inning with the strikeout. Uh, Brewers did a lot of their work against Tyler Maley. Three and a third innings pitched from him. Four hits, five runs, four of them earned. 
three walks, two strikeouts, and really just a, a solid day, but an unspectacular day from the offense. Um, a couple of a big blast from Adamas and, and Rowdy was really the the story of what the offense did. But it was a game that, uh, despite the the Reds scoring in the middle innings to to work their way back in, it was one that always felt in control for the Brewers. Very much so. I mean, a little concerning um, when Woody started to give up runs and you're like, at that point, having not seen what was to come in the two games to follow, oh no, are the Brewers going to find themselves actually in a real game with the Reds? And this was a real game. It was certainly as close to that as we got. Um, but there was no real, no real need to worry about it because... All just coming pretty, pretty easy to them. I mean, I, I guess the the one thing, the headline for this was uh, Luis Arias returning um, to the lineup. It's certainly a big storyline of the series because he looked great in spite of the kind of underwhelming reports from his time in Biloxi, right? He was in Biloxi. Yep. Um, and he himself had spoken about he didn't hit the ball at all well down there it was really just for him he was focusing on running and that was what he stressed more than anything he was focusing on running and his his conditioning getting up for his his work in the field as much as anything else he wasn't too concerned about really anything other than that except i guess playing catch up on some of the work that his teammates got in in spring training and that was that was the purpose i mean that was the brewer's state of purpose on it it was purely to give him that assignment um, I believe was to get him in the region of 40 at-bats, which is what everyone else would have seen in spring training, and then get him back to the Brewers. And he came back and just, he's lived on base, like lived on base all series long um, to come out with a run. He had a hit, he was walked. Very, very good and encouraging start. And beyond that, we've talked about third base, and I think not a lot coming from there offensively, but also it did feel like uh, a weak spot was that was there to be exploited defensively. And right away with Luis Arias back, that's that's gone and you can feel it. You can feel that tighten up. And, you know, do you really want to hit down anywhere in between Willie Adamas and Luis Arias? I don't, I don't know. I don't think positive results are going to come anyone's way with that. Um, I think... But that's to me from this game in particular. I mean, it's a storyline that continued throughout the series, but that's the the thing I'll remember this for, particularly because sure, Willie and Rowdy got homers, uh, but their their more memorable power hitting outings do come as the the series progressed. Yeah, Arias coming back, it really does feel like. Uh, putting a patch on a hole that was was in this lineup and he just exudes such a sense of calm both in the field and in the batter's box he has these this these really uh controlled at bats where he has real command of the strike zone and just uh always gives himself a chance to get on before we move on to game two i want to say someone that i you know speculated hey uh could colton wong uh be the guy who comes out of the lineup to give Hira at bats down the line had a great game and in, in game one and, and really, uh, you know, told me to, to, to forget about it, Andrew. I'm, I'm about to turn things around. Uh, good, good series, hits. good series too, because he didn't play the closing game, but he had an incredible at bats open up game two, which we'll, 
we'll talk about a little bit more, I guess, when you start to do your rundown on that. But to Colton's credit, he certainly, with the bat, um, was showing something that hasn't really been on display up to this point in the season. Yeah, absolutely. Game one, he had uh, a single, a double, a walk, and a sack fly. And then to turn the page to game two, he really set the tone for what the offense would would end up uh, doing thoroughly in game two. Uh, game two pitted Vladimir Gutierrez against Freddy Peralta on the mound. And this started a trend that would continue in the game three in that the, the Reds started out the game scoring. And uh, I don't, I don't want to say I was concerned because they were the Reds, but I was a little, you know, a little annoyed. I, th- I thought these were going to be competitive baseball games. They weren't. Uh, Mike Moustakis, again, that old friend who is for some reason deciding to, to torment the Brewers, uh, singled to score Brandon Drury, and then a Colin Moran sack fly would score Tommy Pham. But then Wong came to the plate to lead off the game, and he had, I believe, was what was it, a 12-pitch at bat? Yeah, uh, 12-pitch 12 at 12 bat that ended with a solo homer. Um, just for, absolutely. First of the season for him. Yeah, first homer of the season for Wong, and he was just fouling off pitch after pitch after pitch, stayed in there and, and hit the homer. Uh, the, the scoring would come in bunches and would continue relentlessly through the full game from there. A 6-3 win in the first game. This was not that, Adam. This was uh, this was really just like a, a nine-inning party in the DMs and the Discord channel for Cruising for a Bruising. It sure was. This was uh, the very satisfying feeling of being right. This is this series certainly has played into that, but I think overall in the season, and maybe, maybe I don't know, Craig Council, have you been listening? It's the odds suggest it's unlikely. Our audience is still pretty small. I don't think we have that power yet, Andrew. Um, but we're starting to see him stay in the lineup against left-handed pitching, and as it should be, because the results are they're emphatic. You know, there's. There's no question about what he can do. I mean, that was probably something from game one, wasn't it? The the pitcher for the Reds, their starting pitcher, was a lefty, I believe, in game one, who Rowdy homered off. And then in this game, just, I, I mean, a, an absolute show. A guy who is in complete control, is obviously seeing the ball as well as you could possibly see it, has just such effortless power. And every time he stepped to the plate, you're like, oh, this is this is probably out of here. And that was basically the story of the game for him. Uh, a grand slam, second grand slam we've seen from a brewery this season, following up in Christian Yelch's uh, footsteps. And almost so, so close to another grand slam late in the game. Um, but for Rowdy pair of home runs, one of them being a grand slam. A double, I think, that that one that missed ended up being. Um, just really, really incredible, incredible stuff. And most importantly of all, new franchise record, 8 RBI for Rowdy. So, not bad. It was uh, an incredible performance. Uh, I mean, we've been on that, actually, gospel. sorry, just, just before you launch into that, I believe, and I saw like from a wider baseball community on Twitter, 
some disbelief that the Brewers franchise record was seven RBI, which I know there was quite the log jam. It's something a lot of guys have had seven RBI over the years without actually getting over the hump and getting to eight. Just like off the top of your head, does that seem uncharacteristically low for you for a franchise record? Uh, it did when when we were talking about Willie Adamas um, uh, tying it last week. I think then now that's just like that's uh, feelings, not facts, because I didn't do any digging to to see if it actually is low, but it, it did feel low. Um, but obviously, the the Brewers' history is not as as long as as some other franchises in baseball, and like. Um, some of those, uh, I don't know. There are probably some stats that date back to 20s and 30s for some organizations. That's very true. Sorry, I interrupted you. Your thoughts on Randy no. overall? Uh, so it's we. I want to take it back. We've been spreading the gospel of Rowdy for a while now. I want to take it back to episode one because I was thinking about based on we had a conversation on the podcast. It was like based on the market in the off season, where were positions that the Brewers could have upgraded. And I said first base because there was the Freddie Freeman saga. There was Matt Olson being available for trade. There was Anthony Rizzo. And so I was like, if they were to have made a move in the market, that was probably where guys were available. And then after about a week into the season, I was in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm glad they didn't do that because he, he just needs the opportunity to play every day. And I think we're seeing that come to fruition. He's a guy that, brings that power threat uh, to the plate every time he's at the plate. And now you're being rewarded for, for just giving him those at-bats. Will he be as hot as he is right now? Remains to be seen. But give him the opportunity and give him the chance to prove that, that he won't be because right now he's absolutely locked in. And I don't know. Sometimes it takes a guy in his career just to get to the spot that's right for him to break out and right for him to just be comfortable being that like key cog in the lineup. And, and Rowdy's clearly found its home in Milwaukee fans love him. I mean, how great must it feel to be in a stadium full of people chanting rowdy uh, when you're breaking the franchise record for single game RBI. Um, he really is locked in at the moment and, and it's great to see. I will, uh, I will spare everyone the rundown of every run scored in this game <laughs> because there were, there were a lot of them uh, 18 runs on 17 hits two in the first to, to answer that, uh, many reds spurt to start the game four in the third, one in the fifth, two in the sixth, four in the seventh, five in the eighth. Some of them coming against, um, uh, what was his name? Matt Reynolds, who is a position player for, for the reds had come in to, to spare some of the reds bullpen and he got rowdy. Oh, two on the count. And, you know, he was like, Oh, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be able to talk so much <laughs> trash in the clubhouse tomorrow because I'm the guy that actually got rowdy out. And instead rowdy, uh, hit a double to the wall and rowdy said rowdy to, uh, reporters after the game was like, yeah, you know, I didn't even get that one that clean. I hit it off the handle, crushed it to the wall with the dead baseball. The dead baseball can't keep rowdy down. He, he also said, he wasn't too disappointed that that one stayed in because it wouldn't have felt the same coming off a position player, which was a, a huge flex that I really enjoyed. And you're having a day when you're able to be like, yeah, you know, I didn't need that one. I didn't want one off a position player. Yeah, that's uh, I'm a big I'm I come from the Gabe Kapler school of never stop store, scoring runs in baseball <laughs> games. So when I see a 
a position player on the mound for me it's like play stupid games win stupid prizes we're gonna score as many runs as possible i love it and think it's awesome especially when brett phillips is doing it in tampa uh former brewer but yeah just uh a great game all the way around. I mean, I will also say um, Christian Yelich um, mm-hmm. continued to play well. Two for four, three runs scored. Also uh, mixed in two RBI and a walk. It's nice to see uh, him get things going. Um, Andrew McCutcheon do, do you had think a great on day. That, on, on Yelich, and we'll obviously talk about him too, he's got to be helped by the fact the bats are going. So even as he's doing some really good stuff right now, the attention is on Willie Adonis. The attention is on Rowdy, and there isn't all this scrutiny on him and the idea that he needs to be the savior. He's able to just go out there and play a lot more freely than he necessarily has at other times over the past couple of years, and maybe even during this season. I, I don't think the Brewers' offense is always going to be firing um, like it has against the Pirates and the Reds. But to me, that was something I was giving some thought to, that he may well just be benefiting from Rowdy and Willie being as red hot as they are, but even like someone like Kutch coming in and just being really reliable, he's going to hit Hunter Renfro having some big games. Like there's less scrutiny, less attention on him as this is all we've got. So you need to deliver like an MVP and that's got to be nice for him. And the results are certainly positive right now. I think it does, and I also think it just comes down to, in your mind, what you think is needed from your role. And for me, it that conversation plays into the lineup construction we saw in Game 3. Whereas I think, like, how, how you really want to build your lineup, and, you know, there's, there's some data that says you want your best all-around hitter second. Um, but, like, the way I would imagine it, especially to start off a game, you want table setters to get on base, when the big hitters come up and who have the big hitters proven to be this year via the home run, Willie Damas and Rowdy Tellez. Um, And then, you know, Yelly getting it to to Mm -hmm. a point as well. But if you've got Luis leading off the game, lives on base, has great at bats, sees a lot of pitches, draws walks, singles, doubles, homers in, uh, in uh, game three. And then Yelly in a, in a similar mindset, like we said, his patience is a virtue when he's also hitting the ball hard when he's not walking. And so if he can have that combination of, knowing he doesn't have to be the key run producer, he can set the table and then the homers, the doubles and everything will follow. And I think uh, we, we asked the question early in the season um, for this team to, to get to where they need to be in terms of offensive production. Does Yelly have to be the best hitter on the team? And I think the answer to that question is no, he can be the kind of hitter he's shown he is uh, this week. And he can be that high OBP medium power um, just really controlled all around hitter. And because of what the guys are doing uh, at shortstop and at first base, that's okay. And that works for this team. Yeah. And it really does feel like the runs have just been piling up for him. He is second on the team behind Willie in terms of runs. Now he's got 18 for the season. And that is, that is down to just, he is very, very reliably getting on base. Also, we saw it in game three. Did we see it in game two? I can't quite remember. Um, he is effortlessly stealing bases right now. He's just, that's that's something too, that when he is getting on base, it just seems routine that, oh yeah, he's going to steal second. So that is something that's also quite nice to have, but just I'm really, really encouraged by what we're seeing from him. 
But also, I think it's important that we're at a point where he has a good stretch like he's having. And we don't have to start off the podcast and be like, let's clear everything else out. We need to talk about Christian Yelich is back. And that's like, that isn't it because you've got Willie doing what he's doing. You've got Rowdy doing what he's doing. Even just then with the Brewers, obviously not, not so much in this series, funnily enough, but you have the elite pitching. So there, there's enough other really great things going on that if he can be a little bit in the background and just find his feet and become really consistent, it could be something that two thirds through the season, he does ascend to, like oh my god look at the overall picture here look what he is producing and you head into the playoffs or it's like yeah he is the star again and he is himself but being able to get to that point i think particularly after the couple of years he's had between his struggles between his health issues uh that seems like a big deal like it's kind of if you're to draw up what are the, the ideal circumstances for a guy like him to bounce back i think it would look something like this it's like the team is good but it's not relying on him all the focus won't be on him. And every time he does show life, it feels like a legitimate positive. Absolutely. And it, it's uh, from my standpoint, even coming in as like my first season supporting the, the Brewers, but like being a, a broader baseball fan who saw the struggles Yelly went through, it's, it's really nice to see him get to a point where it seems like he's starting to be comfortable. Um, because I mean, your baseball career is not supposed to to be finished at 30. <laughs> like uh, he may not get to MVP levels ever again, but it's nice that he's found a way to, you know, be this version of, of himself. And I mean, there are also continuing signs that he's, he's not even like reached the statistical level that some indicators are showing he could. He's in the 95 fifth percentile for average exit velocity 99 percentile for hard hit rate 96 percentile for barrel rate he's hitting the ball hard when he's hitting it um and so things potentially only looking up for yelly um we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Andrew McCutcheon had a great game. He's had a hot and cold season, but four for five uh, with a double, um, two runs scored, four RBI, and a walk. Great game for McCutcheon. Frey Peralta was on the mound, uh, five innings pitch, five hits, three runs, all earned, two walks, seven strikeouts. Not a vintage Freddie performance, but got the job done. Trevor Gott came in um, for an inning, two strikeouts, no hits, no runs, no walks. Yandel Gustave with a 
a uh, exact same scoreline for him. One inning, no hits, no runs, a couple of strikeouts. It's nice to see him really pitching well and settling into a role after surviving the roster crunch. You and I were rooting for him to to continue to be on the roster. Were we more rooting against someone else and rooting for him to get the spot for that reason? Yes, but I think also that was based on he just seemed a steadier pitcher through the early stages of the season, even if he wasn't quite at the level he's been more recently. He just seemed like the steadier, the more reliable option that you're going to want to have in there. And he's paying that off and looking even better as the season goes on. So hard to complain about that. It's one of those situations that I think isn't unique to baseball, but just the nature of the sport um, kind of feels true when I say it, is that this is a a game about comfort and just being settled into your role, especially in in a bullpen role and and having an idea of, all right, I'm comfortable. I know I can go out there and execute pitches and I'm going to do it. And he's done it. Hobie Milner got an inning, a walk and a strikeout, no runs, no hits. And then Brent Suter finished the game off. Uh, two hits, one run allowed. It was earned, and uh, that was the game. I'm trying to think if there were any other performances we missed. A couple well, of hits from Luis Urias and uh, a couple of walks as well, living on base. Lorenzo Kane, two for three, two runs scored. Um, yeah, go ahead, Adam. I was just going to say, just to give some more context on the, the RBI uh, franchise lead, if eight is on the low side, I can't give exactly that, but I'm, I'm looking at single game uh, RBI leaders in MLB history. Only 16 guys have, have got to double digits in a game. And Rowdy was about a foot and a half from being at nine. So <laughs> I think it is safe to say that is that is in the upper echelons. And as you said, yeah, given you look at a list like this and you see the Red Sox, the Yankees, you're, uh, you're talking about franchises that have been around a lot longer. Um, and many of those records, I mean... 1890s, 1920s, 1936—is it a different game now? It sure is, um, but yeah, maybe not as low as I thought. Seven might be on the low side, but now Rowdy's got a date. Yeah. We're moving the right direction, and uh, I wouldn't bet against Rowdy over the next couple of weeks. The way he's playing, from deciding, yeah, you know what, I want to get to nine. Uh, yeah, seven was what I was referring to as on the low side, and uh, to branch off of that, Adam. As we were talking about uh, to start the podcast, they still have quite a few games remaining against the Cincinnati Reds. So uh, all They'll the see them in Rowdy, four days again. All the at-bats that Rowdy is going to get against the Reds. I mean, it, he could do this again. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx anything, but he could do it again. We'll we'll just have to to wait and see on that. But an eighteen. 18- Four win in game two gave us all the good vibes heading into game three and it it started it started a lot like uh game two started the reds started the scoring off in the first inning a tyler stevenson single uh colin moran uh single to score two it's three nothing reds after the top of the first inning adrian hauser was on the mound uh not looking his his sharpest after starting the season really well but uh the Brewers could could not be held down. They they uh, started the 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 batting lineup in my dream way with Luis Urias leading off, Christian Yelich batting second, Willie Adamas third, and Rowdy Tellez batting cleanup. And in the first inning, it did exactly what it does in my dreams. 
and it led to first inning runs. Uh, Urias homer to left field down the left field line, kind of snuck it in around the foul pole. Yelly followed that with a homer of his own. Willie Adamas reached base via a walk, I believe, in that at bat, and then Rowdy Tellez doubled him home. It's 3-3 after the first inning. I had gone into a meeting yesterday. This was a, uh, a day game. Uh, I go into the meeting. The Brewers are down 3 nothing. I said, I, wanna, I want this to be tied when I come out of the meeting, and I came out to see Rowdy Tellez hit a double. So it was just a, a beautiful thing in the first inning. Uh, Adam, do you have any concerns about the, the trend over these last two games to, to get down early in games and that it, it'll be a situation when they're not playing the Reds? It's, it's something to be worried about, or are you just – have you it might actually be to... a byproduct of playing the Reds. Uh, honestly, the the pitchers may not be quite as laser focused going out there against the Reds, and this is a great example of it because, like you mentioned in the previous games, it's like yeah, you don't want to go down the first inning, and I I think for us there is still a lingering sense of earlier in the season when that was the case and when the runs weren't there at all. It's like if if the Brewers gave up a couple of runs in the first inning, you know two, three weeks ago, that would have been grim. And we'd be like, oh, we're in for a long few hours here. This is it's going to be a tough watch. Um, it was really, I mean, I this is the point where I felt sorry for the Reds because they get three runs in the first inning. You're like, ooh, this is good. Yeah, we're in this game. And for the Brewers to immediately and just so effortlessly be like, oh, yeah, we'll just we'll take those three runs back and we'll follow it up with three more in the second is brutal and that that was the point where it's just like the reds are beyond the joke like it's it's really really just terrible i cannot imagine what it's like to be a reds fan uh, i would just not have any part of that for my mental health if i was a reds fan i would not be watching any of their games i don't know how anyone could put themselves through that but good for the brewers again like it's it's one thing having 18 runs in a game where the Reds are never really in it, never really showing much of anything. To find yourself down three runs in the first and then to be able to summon those runs just to respond immediately, that's a positive. Again, there's so much of this which we'll have to be chalking up to. Yeah, really good signs for Brewers, but they are playing the Reds. But the ability to find yourself in a hole and just be completely composed and come up with the response immediately. That's a positive and that's something good that should serve them in good stead moving forward. Absolutely. 3-3 three, three after the first. Christian Yelich double makes it 4-3 in the second. Willie Adamas follows with a homer. And then the homer parade continued. 6-3 uh, in the third inning. A Tyrone Taylor homer off Hunter Green makes it 7-3. Keston Hura, a homer of his own to make it 8-3. Uh, Flame-throwing phenom Hunter Green did not have the best outing. He's a guy who can run his fastball up to 100 miles per hour, eventually should be uh, a very good Major League Baseball starting pitcher, but he did not have it today. So on that, question on that. It was straight as a die. There's no movement on it. So he is having to throw in the center of the strike zone, it seems like, every single time. That is not a good recipe, I would feel, because... You know, would would it be an issue for you or I to stand in there and see a hundred mile per hour pitch come at us? Yes. Is it an issue for like elite actual pro hitters to see that there? No. If anything, it's like okay, well, if I make good contact here, I don't even have to do most of the work. 
like the ball is doing part of it for me. So is that a case? Because I know there aren't too many guys who are just regularly like trying trying 100. Does he need to take that back, take some of the velocity off and maybe add some movement to it? Or is there actually like I, how, I how many that... guys throw as fast as this? And that's that's all they do. And it works for them because that seems like a real high wire act. Uh, I don't, it's not that he needs to dial it back and add some movement um, if because if that's not his game. It's like him learning a two seam fastball or something like that you know, might not be in the cards. It's really just about locating that 100. And he was not locating. He was out of the zone high, which Taylor was able to absolutely crush for the homer. He was over the middle of the plate. He wasn't located. If he's dotting the corners with 100 miles an hour, then it's like... How often, though? How often, though, or how many guys am I going to see over the course of the season that throw 100 miles per hour and do locate it like as precisely as you would need to. Is there not a part of that that goes hand in hand? Because um, I'm I'm guessing, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but this is the first person I think I've seen, the first pitcher who just seems to have that regularly there. And, you know, logic would suggest the faster you throw it, the harder it's going to be to locate it. Um, I mean, you'll, it's, you won't see as many guys do it because guys haven't been able to do this sure, until it's, recently it's just hard to do of, um so hunter but, green is kind of, in a starting role hunter green's kind of one of few uh but i mean he, he's he's here for a reason so yeah, i think all, I, all i'm getting at i mean i could take it back to to golf to where you let off for an analogy of this it's like everyone's after swing speed everyone's after swing speed but at a certain point if, if your swing speed is too high, all of a sudden it's very difficult to keep the ball like on the planet. Like it, it there definitely is a point of diminishing returns with a pursuit of velocity, right? There has to be where just a tick below that. Like I, I'm sure a lot of the guys who throw 98, if they really wanted to work on that and that was their only focus, they could they could be regular 100 guys. Now, uh, this could be completely misguided on my part. But what is it? What is the actual advantage of those extra two miles per hour as opposed to throwing something that it's fast, but you also have the comfort and the trust in your ability to to locate it as you need to? Yeah, I mean, location I would say is more important than velocity, and nowadays spin rate is more important than velocity. Mm-hmm. Although getting getting to those levels of spin uh, by legal means is is not always easy. Um, Hunter Green has the uh, fastest average fastball for starting pitchers this year at 98.3. Um, some guys in his range are, are like Sandy Alcantara, Garrett Cole, um, Otani's only a mile per hour off, Shane McClanahan for the Rays, even though his average fastball speed is 96, 96.9. Nice. Um, is a guy who you'll see touching 100 um, every start and uh he's found seems to have found a way to have that nice mix of of location i think another big thing for green in this performance is as you said one pitch that um he's relied on is uh his changeup, and he was having a lot of success with that this year and the the brewers are, are hitting his change up as well and if if you're if your fastball isn't being located well and you're 
off-speed pitches aren't able to keep um, the team off balance, then you you're really kind of grasping at straws. That being said, in two and a two and two thirds innings pitch, he did have seven strikeouts. So you see that when he is dialed in and and locating his pitches, he can miss bats. Uh, but when he's in the zone and not hitting his spots, he finds bats to the tune of eight earned runs and nine hits. It's just which at that point, I, like strikeouts, is something that I'm finding to be an interesting statistic because we have seen impressive strikeouts, even from Brewers starting pitchers in games that were not quite their best. And it is, that's a case where you're like, Oh yeah, seven strikeouts. That's, that's not bad. Uh, nine hits. Eight well, there, there's, runs, there's, there's a, there's a uh, middle, there's a middle ground there because uh, if you don't miss bats regularly, you're going to give up runs in the way that Adrian Hauser did yes. where it just seems like, by inviting too much contact so there, there's there's a fine line um, well, well hauser is he's a he's a forcing ground balls kind of guy isn't he like that's that's a key part of his style is to force force the hits low try to get some double plays out of that like that's that's a difference in style a difference in approach uh, i don't think that's the greatest like certainly you want the balance between those things would to me seem like the way to go about it but yeah like Green is going to have a lot of strikeouts at that velocity, but it really won't matter if you're going to give up hits. It's like, that's an interesting point where it's like, I've no doubt that when you throw the ball that fast, you're going to strike some guys out. But if all it takes is, you know, getting a bat in front of it and that thing is going to be a home run, that's not ideal either. So I, I, that's just, it's one of the, one of the more interesting kind of um, pitching performances i've seen so far where it's like this seems like to find the balance for him or for someone playing in that style is more difficult than it's going to be for a lot of other pitchers and the ability for it to go really well or to go catastrophically wrong seems much much higher percentage wise than with a lot of other pitchers that i I would guess even the majority of pitchers and how they approach games yeah, it'll be interesting to see how his career pans out. We'll obviously see him a few more times. Um, Twenty-two years old, so you know he, he's got he's got some time to figure it out. But the, I, I assume the Brewers will be uh, a team that he does not want to see again after this performance. Yeah, it was interesting about Hauser today. It just like you said, his his approach is throw that two seamer down in the zone and get a lot of ground balls. Uh, he was up with that pitch today, and it seemed to lead to a lot of uh, flares into the outfield. Guys were able to, to kind of get under the ball a little bit and, and get on base. Uh, Hauser went five innings, seven hits, five runs. Four of them were earned a walk, and he did have six strikeouts. Um, but it didn't really matter because <laughs> the Brewers had, had uh, already done a lot of damage against Hunter Green by the end of the third. Uh, in the fourth inning, Tyler Stevenson's homer for the Reds would make it eight to four Brewers. Brandon Drury single in the fifth made it eight to five Brewers, and then Willie Adamas would tack on a two-run homer in the eighth to make it ten five Brewers. Uh, another relief appearance from Trevor Gott in inning two strikeouts. Brad Boxberger made his return, uh, not because he was injured, or any, not because he was injured or anything. Just he was was not <laughs> his services were not required uh, during all the run scoring, and then Sunday's uh, game that. Uh, it featured no run scoring. 
but uh, an inning, two strikeouts, no no hits, no runs. Devin Williams, one inning, one hit, one strikeout, and then Hobie Milner closed things down uh, in the ninth inning. And you know what? You know what's five, exciting about about the pitching is we've reached a point. I remember from our earliest episodes where it was a case of I talk about you know once you get to the Boxberger, Devin Williams, Josh Hader, like that's it's must watch. I Trevor got to that. It's like if the Brewers get five innings out of a starter in big games, you've got to feel great about what's coming next. And it does not get any easier for opposing teams like that kind of, I guess what's now like their A team in terms of bullpen arms got Boxberger, Williams, Hayter. Good luck. Like if, if you're not getting your work done against a Brewers starter and those four guys are coming in to follow it up, you're really in trouble. Like you want to see a Brent Suter who has struggled really so far this season. If you're opposing team, you want to get a look at a Hobie Milner or a John Del Gustave. But if you're getting got and, you know, quite literally, if you see Trevor got, the chances are that you're going to get got um, Boxberger, Williams and Hayter. It just, it's trouble. As you said, good luck. I, yep. I wish you all the best, other teams. Um, the Brewers' offense in this series, I mean, what else can you say? 34 runs, 11 homers. Uh, and due to that offensive explosion, the Brewers find themselves at the top of some uh, leaderboards for the season. They are tied for the lead in RBI this season with the Los Angeles Angels, and they are tied for the lead in home runs this season, uh, 35 with the New York Yankees. Uh not something uh, that we thought we were going to be saying uh, going into the season, but here we are. How much of that is something that will Andrew, continue? How before you it? went on your trip, we, we didn't think we'd be saying that. Now, thankfully, the schedule has helped with that, but you've still got to do it. Like, it, it, not everyone. We have seen the Reds have at least one loss to the extent of what the, the Brewers did to them in game two, but uh, it's not going to happen every time a team faces them. And I think the the level of dominance asserted here is reflective of oh you're an elite team you're not just a good team you're you're an elite team I think that's the Brewers didn't much to you know your enjoyment as you said you you feel like if you play silly games you got to punish these teams the Brewers did that like they looked as good as we would like to think they are they didn't kind of get lulled into much of anything with the Reds they just knocked the crap out of them. They did. Uh, and to your point about being an elite team, they're at the top of categories in every facet of baseball. The categories that we thought they were going to be leading in, they're third in baseball and earn run average. They're second in saves because Josh Hader just nails the game down every game and, and Devin Williams uh, a few times. They're second in baseball and strikeouts from their starting pitching and second in quality starts. This is a team that's showing the trends of being an elite team and they play in a division where it seems like they are head and shoulders above most of the teams in the division, even probably head and shoulders above the Cardinals long-term in my mind. So, I mean, I think this regular season, we could see them put up a pretty gaudy win total. And that's where I'm hoping things are trending, but a sweep of the Cincinnati Reds, um, positive trends from the bats, Rowdy Tellez, breaking the single-game franchise RBI record. Christian Yelich showing 
trends of um, returning to form. He's returned to form, and where he goes from there remains to be seen. Willie Adamas uh, homering, being a, a big bat in the middle of the lineup. Uh, one thing we forgot to mention, Adam, is the, the ball player bell. Um, yes. that was introduced this series, which is something I love. There's a, a, if you're listening, you know what this is. It's a bell in the dugout. Uh, and I guess the, so Jason Lane, third base coach was the one that intro introduced the concept of this. And I guess the bell's intent, they said was to reward making a great baseball play. It's positive so, reinforcements. Uh, Pavlov's Homer is it's, what it's, it's like clicker into. training for a dog. It's, like genuinely that's what it is it's positive reinforcement and guess what turns out these guys like the sound of the bell uh willie adamas delightfully <laughs> broke the bell at least twice it might have been so three far, times yeah. and we required a, a hunter renfro repair job at one point uh that was something i think big was, Wu was was helping out yesterday with the repair job yeah it's Basically, every every guy on the team that looks like someone that could be my uncle uh, <laughs> has has been called in to to repair uh, the bell. But I, it's it's something that I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of fun, and, and this is fun. Seeing guys ring a bell, seeing Willie Thomas break a bell, it's something that can continue all season and Brewers fans are just going to be shouting ring the bell at the, at the television and at the field at some point. But um, uh, we give out beers. Uh, the Brewers ring the bell. We sure do. Uh, is it, do we want to give out some beers? Because I, I know we'll look to the series ahead, but I, on this occasion, I almost feel like we should leave that to last. Yeah. Let's uh, let's hand out some beers and I want you to do, I want you to hand out number one because uh this is this is the first for the podcast, and it's a big moment for all of us, but especially a big moment for you. It's it's a big big moment. So we did say, you know, from from the offset, in rare, very rare instances, there's a possibility for not just one master brew point to be awarded for a player's performance in a series, but for two for double points, um, for the first time. That's exactly what we're going to do, and it will come as no surprise to anyone. My guy, Rowdy Tellez, is in for two Master Brew points for the series and seven for 15, three doubles, three home runs, 10 RBI, three runs scored, just top tier stuff. And Rowdy is putting on a show this season. He is now in the clear overall alone um, on the Master Brewer leaderboard, although there are certainly some guys who are doing their best to keep pace with him. Willie Adamez is working very hard, and those two are are likely for the foreseeable future going to be in the mix for it. But um, yeah, very very well deserved double master brew points for Rowdy Tellez, who takes his tally. I mean, through twenty six games, Rowdy's got six master brew points, which I don't know if everyone in baseball is is tracking this metric yet. But that is a lead performance, Andrew. Uh, it'll it'll be on MLB Network's uh, stats stats scroll across the bottom of the screen at some point, I would think. Um, but yeah, absolutely monster series from Rowdy Tellez, and he's having a great season, and we look forward to it continuing. Uh, getting one beer today is Christian Yelich, five for 11, two doubles, 
one homer, four RBI, six runs scored, and a stolen base. As we mentioned, um, positive trends in terms of kind of batted ball data, and things are looking up for Yelly. Getting one, one beer as well, Willie Adamas, three for 11. All three hits were homers, <laughs> three walks, seven RBI, six runs scored. And as always, he plays a reliable shortstop. Uh, I love when he gets a, a simple ground ball. He kind of holds the ball, you know, a beat a little too long. Maybe he, maybe he has to, and he's like, I just want to show off my arm speed. Uh, Jeff Levering uh, noted after one such instance, a 90 mile per hour uh, speed on a throw over to Rowdy. Rowdy looked at his glove and it was like, don't hurt me, man. <laughs> it was it was a, a great moment in uh, in game three yesterday. Uh, Luis Urias returns to the team, returns to the lineup and just fits right in. Uh, four for nine, one homer, three walks, one hit by pitch, two runs scored or four runs scored. Sorry, two RBI. I mean, he, he looks ready for the season. And on on him there, back. would you I, – I know Craig Council has this thing with Colton Wong uh, as leading off, and we've seen Kutch do some of it. But I think to your point earlier, like with the ease that Luis Arias is getting on base, if that keeps up, you've got to be thinking he's, he's the guy for top of the order. Yeah, I would think so. And they're, they're conflicting – ideologies for lineup construction that we can probably talk about on a playback, maybe depending on uh, what the lineup ends up on Saturday. Do you want to mix and match down the lineup? So you've got quality throughout, or do you want to get your best guys over the course of 162 season, the most at bats, higher you bat in the lineup, the more times you're going to hit in the game. Uh, And especially what do you want from the the top of the order? And I think that's guys that get on base. Luis Arias gets on base. I think by swapping that Colton Wong, Bats a little lower in the lineup. Urias at the top of the lineup. I think that works for all parties. And it takes a little bit of the, the pressure off of Colton Wong. Um, you don't have to be in that leadoff spot. Uh, and you can kind of just settle in and, and figure your way out of some slumps. I mean, he started to do that from the leadoff spot. But it's something that should be considered. Um, it's probably a situation where Council will do it against lefties um, since – Urias is a right-handed batter. That's what I imagine Council will do, but I would like to see it as just a permanent fixture of the Brewers lineup. Okay, and lastly for Master Brew points, Trevor got. Um, you know, it's 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 tough to reward middle relievers. We should because a lot of times they're coming into pretty high leverage spots. He hasn't necessarily in this series, but he has over the course of the season. He's been a firefighter um, in the game. Yeah, coming into games with runners on base and hasn't allowed uh, uh, any inherited runners to score this year. Is that is that a stat that's, I saw? That's correct. Yeah, he's. I I think he's like zero for twelve in terms of allowing inherited runners to score. So that's pretty good. The only the only mark on his record was called by me singing his praises too early in a game. I jinxed him in the the San Francisco game. And so now I want to reward him. Two innings pitch, no runs, no walks, no hits, four Ks in this series. Trevor Gott has been an exceptional addition to this bullpen. I apologize for, first of all, doubting you coming into the season, and second of all, jinxing you in the middle of the season. Smooth sailing for us um, from here on out, Trevor. Um, welcome on the podcast anytime. So to give a full rundown of the leaderboard through 26 games of the season, We've got Reddy Tellez in first place with six points. 
Josh Hader and Willie Adamas with four each. Corbin Burns and Christian Yelich in with three apiece. Then, have we got anyone else who climbed up? No. So, a two. We've got Brandon Woodruff and Eric Lauer. And then, all with a single point for the season. Andrew McCutcheon, Colton Wong, Freddie Peralta, um, Devin Williams, Adrian Hauser, Hunter Renfro, and now, Luis Arias and Trevor Gott. We're sharing the sharing it around. When you get to that single point, a lot of guys have, uh, which is also good, good reflection of the Brewers. But a lot of guys have had some standout contribution to to earn that kind of recognition. Um, but yeah, up at the top tier where you're seeing Rowdy, Josh Hader, Willie Adams, Corbin Burns, and Yelly, I think that's that's kind of reflective of some of the key cogs of the team that we would have expected, plus maybe Rowdy um, delivering so far this season. Okay, that is Master Brewer leaderboard out of the way. Andrew, um, the Brewers are starting a new series. And it's a team that you may have heard of. They are the reigning World Series winners, the Atlanta Braves. They are, of course, the team that extinguished the Brewers' own World Series hopes in the playoffs last year. And they are a team that, through most of your life, you would not have been watching Milwaukee Brewers games at this point in the season. You would be watching a lot of the Braves games. So before I even get your any kind of baseball perspective on what you're looking to see, what you'd like to see in this series, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about this, this big moment in your baseball life? It's very strange. Um, it's weird. But uh, it's kind of something you have had to double down on, and you can't you can't turn off a feeling willingly. Like you, you can't just decide to flip switches. And the Braves organization did things that uh, I don't like repeatedly that have nothing to do with baseball, and I didn't want them to be a, a representation of my fandom anymore. Just something that happened. Um, I mean, I made this decision go, going into the season thinking that, that they very well might win another World Series. I still think they'll probably win another World Series during the time that Ronald Acuna Jr. is on this team because they're they're good and they've got good players and, it, you know, but that doesn't matter. There's some things that are more important. Moralizing in sports is tough, but some there are some lines that, you know, just become too much. So because of that, we're doing this podcast. I'm a Brewers fan. And all I ask is, is two out of three. That's all I want. I just want a series win. And now they have to do this again uh, next weekend as well. Or the next following yeah, week. It's, they play. It's, they, do, they do it again very soon. Yeah, this time in Milwaukee. It's definitely going to be weirder be, being that it's in Atlanta, a place I've seen many baseball games and a place that used to have fond memories and now – has kind of a sour taste. Uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, I think it'll be a competitive series on the field. The Braves have struggled to start the season. They're 12 and 15, six and a half games back of the New York Mets. Um, but they do have quality in the rotation and in the lineup. So you would think they will turn that around at some point and be competitive. I just hope that it's it's not this series. And uh, yeah, we'll... Uh, I have ample opportunity over the uh, the weekend to talk about it. I'll be I'll be locked into the game tonight. 
the game on Saturday. Sunday, I am taking my mother to a college baseball game for Mother's Day per her request. So I will be watching it delayed. But I will uh, I will have gone through the emotional catharsis by that point that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have gotten past the, the awkwardness. Yeah, I want, um, I want to sweep. I want the Brewers to sweep for Andrew. That's my request. Um, I, I want them to just bludgeon the hell out of the Atlanta Braves, uh, a franchise that in my introductory, I guess my introductory experience to baseball also featured the Atlanta Braves because I, I first started watching the Brewers in the playoffs last year. And I did not develop a great fondness for the Atlanta Braves uh, as a team, as an organization, certainly as a fan base. So I am, uh, I'm excited for the series. It's, it's a big one, as you said. They haven't had the greatest start, but it, it certainly still feels like a measuring stick. Anytime you're going to go up against the champs, that's going to be something that's going to have a little bit of extra motivation. It's going to get a little bit more attention. And I am eagerly anticipating series and seeing you know okay you've played against some really really bad teams recently can the brewers bring some of that hot hot offense over um if we're getting like three four five rbi games from rowdy Tellez against the braves i think we'll be very very happy and things will be looking great for the brewers so let's hope for some of that on the subject of brewers braves we will be hosting a playback on Saturday for game two of this series. Corbin Burns, Max Freed. That's a, that's a tasty matchup at the mound. Um, so if you are not familiar, playback is a service that allows you to watch a game live in sync with a room full of people, room full of Brewers fans. And Andrew and I will be on stage, I believe, our fellow GSPN teammate Jordan Tresky is going to be joining us. Uh, we may have Ty Windish and Rowan Caddy join at some time. So you'll be able to watch the game live. We'll be chatting throughout and offering our own alternative commentary too. If you would like to join, all you've got to do is be a member of our Discord. That's how you'll get the link. And we will in the future, we'll be able to open up Brewers rooms to a wider audience like we're doing with our, our books equivalents at GSPN. And um, before for the moment, the rooms are still limited capacity. So to make sure that you're in, you're watching the game with us, you can join the GSPN Discord to do so. It's two ways. You can leave a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Send a screenshot either to me on Twitter at Adam McGee 11 to Andrew at AC Snide, or to the Cruising for a Bruising account at Brewers GSPN. You do that, we'll send you an invite to the group. You'll be in, you'll get your Discord links, or you'll get your playback links, but you'll also be able to join in our, our ongoing uh, Brewers channel in there, which is essentially just, just a really great Brewers group chat that we all have a lot of fun in during Brewers games. There's a books one. If you're into Wisconsin sports January, there'll be all sorts of stuff in there. The other way is if you're on a particular on a platform like Spotify, which doesn't allow reviews, you can go to my Twitter account at adamy 11 The link in my bio is the GSPN link tree. And there is a form there that you can fill for Discord access. If you do that, once again, we will provide you with the link for the playback. Any issues, if you've, if you've done that, you don't hear back from us, just get at me on Twitter. I'll make sure anyone who wants to watch Brewers Braves on Saturday with us, we'll get you in the room. We'll make sure you're able to do it. And it's it's been a lot of fun. We've really had a great time doing it so far. I would love to get a, a particularly fun, uh, offensively fiery game for this one. 
Um, but regardless, it's going to be interesting with two high quality teams, two great starting pitchers and Andrew's endless, endless insight into uh, the opponent for this one. So a little bit different than anything else we've had. So playback Saturday, Brewers Braves game two, send us a review, fill out the form and we'll make sure to get you in. Any final thoughts, Andrew? No, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, if you want to come hang out and watch me uh, drink beer to and make jokes to uh, repress all the conflicting emotions I have, it'll be a good time. Honestly, through my experience so far this season, I don't think your emotions are conflicting at all. I think people might expect you to have conflicting emotions. That is not the case. I'm not worried about conflicting emotions. I'm I'm concerned about just how fiery some of the emotions may get. Uh, but we'll we'll get to all of that. We'll we'll see how all of that pans out live and on stage. Yeah, it's it's more simmering anger, is would be the best way to describe it. So for sure. All right. That does it for this episode. As always, thanks to all of you who are listening. Thanks to all of you who are checking out the pod and supporting us early on. We're really grateful that we've got a not insignificant um, audience in terms of its size, and it's really steady. You know, people who are listening are coming back from episode to episode, checking out what we have to say about the Brewers. And we're really, really appreciative of that. If this is your first time listening and you want to do the same, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Cruising for a bruising. Um, we should be pretty much everywhere. If there's a platform you can't find us on, I'm hoping we're up on Google Podcasts by now. If that still hasn't happened and anyone's looking for it there, please get in touch and I will again try to get that rectified. Um, you should also follow the Eurostep Podcast Network, GSPN, our home on the main feed, which will mostly cover all sorts of book stuff. Obviously a very busy time for Milwaukee books with the playoffs going on. If you want all of your previews, post-game pods, all of the analysis and reaction, Eurostep Podcast Network is the place to find it. Go subscribe to the Substack, gspn.substack.com. That is where you will find the write-ups for the Master Brewer leaderboard, some added detail and yeah, I'm very excited to say this is going to be Andrew Snyder's uh, GSPN Substack writing debut because Andrew has got the, the Master Brewer leaderboard duties for, for this episode. So if you go check that out, you can you can see it up on the on the site or if you subscribe, you'll get it directly to your inbox. And lastly, if you want to support the pod, if you want to support us, Cruising for a Bruising, the Win and Six podcast or the Eurostep podcast, the entire Eurostep podcast network, go to gspnstore.com. We've got all sorts of merch, fun designs up there. People have been really positive and uh, the feedback we've had is great. People are liking the merch. They're buying a lot of Cruising for a Bruising merch and that is very humbling for us. And we love seeing photos of people watching Brewers games with their merch, going to Brewers games with their merch. So if you want to support us, you can always pick up a t-shirt, pick up a hoodie, pick up whatever it is you might like. And if you do so, make sure to send us a picture. That's it. Until next time, thanks very much for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam.